Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Today, we are going to cover a topic that we haven't talked about on the Bad Roman Podcast before. Jeffrey Stevens joins me to discuss the Israeli and Palestinian conflict. This is something I've wanted to talk about for a while, but recently it has been pretty heavy on my mind, so I'm thankful for the chance to talk with Jeffrey today. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching orders, man. Left, right, left, right. Would you rather serve God than serve Caesar, you know me? Right, I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. Jeffrey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so our mutual friend, Joe Chadburn, connected us. Uh, you're friends with Joe on, on Facebook as well. And I had talked to him in the past about doing this, and I, we may still do it you know, here in the future, too. I, wanna, I don't want this to be a one-and-done conversation because I think it's a conversation that Christians in America need to be paying attention to. And you've told me more than once before we started recording last week and this week that there's a lot of Palestinian Christians that want Americans to start putting their eyes on this situation because we're not— any, any news we're getting from this is from corporate media. And, and, and to be honest with you, Jeffrey, I don't trust anything corporate media tells me these days. So I don't I don't I shut them off. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for independent journalists like yourself who are writing about this and will come out and, and tell us what's going on. Because I believe I'm going to trust independent sources before I'm going to listen to Fox News or CNN. I'm just not going to listen to that garbage anymore. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I just I mean, see it. It gets so downplayed here in the U.S. Like, I immediately, I, of course, I wasn't going to, but I wanted to stop you right from the beginning when you were introducing the topic, and Mr. Chadburn would completely agree it's not an Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It's Palestinian territory being illegally occupied by Israel. It's, It's not a conflict. It's an illegal occupation. Right. So that th- that just goes to show my ignorance on the topic. Yeah, we as Americans, we hear the word quote unquote conflict in a big deal. I mean, there's conflicts everywhere, but this is much more significant than the conflict. Right. Well, that just like I said, that that goes to show my ignorance on the topic, and that's why I'm I'm happy to have you on the show today to talk about it because I don't know much about it other than what I've hear, I've heard in the past through corporate media. And, you know, what you what you hear in churches about it, too, you know, I think they get their information from corporate media because it, it's I was just to give you an understanding of where mine, how I used to be on this topic. I was always of the understanding that as Christians, we should do everything in our power to protect Israel. And that included the Israeli army, the Israeli government, all that garbage that that's how I used to believe. Now, fast forward till 2023. Now, I just I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing. I don't believe that. And it seems to be that the vast majority of Christian Americans do believe that. Yes. Well, and see, there's a lot to what you said, because I the same way I started covering what is happening back in May of 2021. Before then, I was writing, I was actually covering the Vatican for the Jerusalem Post. 
I had no idea what was going on with Israel and Palestine, other than like what you know, what the news tells us. And the more I started paying attention, I realized, you know, th this is not right. And I, I ended up quitting the position. But see, like what you just said there, we have to protect Israel. The thing is, yes, we could say that if Palestinians were occupying Israeli territory, but it's just obviously you, you can't say you're defending yourself when you are the one occupying someone else's land. You just right. You can't. You can't. That's that's not self-defense. That's an attack. Right, right, right. No, I no, I agree with you now. That's that's the way I see it now, and it's not something that's just not the way I believed before, or the way I understood it before. But before we get too far into that, what I like to do is get folks to give us a little bit of background of themselves, tell folks whatever you want them to know about you, and then we'll kind of get into how you got uh, interested in this topic, and then uh, we'll get into a couple articles you sent me too as well that to, that you wrote on this on this topic. My name's Jeffrey Stevens. I'm a journalist with the Arab American News covering the Middle East. And I also, I'm the director of the Azarius Project, which we're a 501c3 publication publishing the truth from the West Bank and Gaza that Americans aren't going to find in mainstream media. And like I said, when I, when I first, first got in journalism, I consider myself a pro-Israel, pro-life American Christian, just like you mentioned. And the more I started paying attention to what was happening and actually started talking to people there instead of just reading headlines, I, I'll be the first one to say right now, you, you cannot be pro-Israel and pro-life. You might be pro-Israel and anti-abortion, but anti-abortion is not being pro-life. There's a difference. And like when, when Israeli occupation forces are destroying homes, you, you can't support that and say you're pro-life. I mean, literally, from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed, this, this is my life. Is I, The West Bank is like a home away from home for me. It's something that... You know what? There's a book, and I've got it. I don't have it out, but it's called Blood Brothers, and it's based on a true story, and it was written, the author is a Palestinian Catholic priest, and he just tells his story, and he was very pro-peace. He was anti-violence, but reading that book, that was like the icing on the cake for me. And yes, the Old Testament makes it, perfectly clear that people of Israel are God's chosen people. We know everything. I mean, my, my theology, my theology degree focuses on Old Testament studies. I know what the Bible says. And Jesus would not be okay with what is happening. That, that, I mean, Bethlehem today is not in Israel. It's in the West Bank of Palestinian territory. So by today's maps, Jesus isn't even Israeli, he's Palestinian. And that is something a lot of American Christians don't even realize. That's, a, that's also something that was going <laughs> to infuriate a lot of Christian Americans that don't, that be, not, because 
it's it's something that we're just beat into our head, you know, and and it's something too that I learned along the way that when 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 the Bible speaks of Israel, especially in the New Testament, he's talking about Christians now. Yes, he's not talking about the Israeli government. You know, we've all been grafted into uh, Israel. Exactly. I think that's missed so much that that is just something that I that I believe so strongly about. But of course, back in the day, man, I was a neoconservative, so war never really concerned me. I thought we were the good guys, and we we're supposed to be. And the Israelis were the good guys. The Israeli government is the good guys. We should be defending and supporting what they're doing against terrorism. And we're going to get into this too about terrorism too, how we perceive terrorism here, and we don't. We have a, a bad habit in America. The vast majority of, of not recognizing the own terrorism inflicted by the United States government and the Israeli government. You know what? That since post nine eleven, which I was on AmeriCorps, an AmeriCorps team. After nine eleven, my team got sent to New York. We worked with kids who had lost family members in the attack. And I, I know this is going to bother veterans, and I want to make that very clear right now. I have nothing but the utmost respect for American veterans. But since 9-11, the word, quote-unquote, terrorism, it just used way too lightly. And as far as Israel and the Old Testament, um, like I said, it's what I studied in school. I also write about the Bible professionally. It, that doesn't make me better worse than anybody. It's just something I love doing. And you touch on this with what you said. When, when you read the Old Testament, what not enough Christians do, you have to read that in the proper context. Nowhere in the Old Testament is it talking about the state of Israel post-1948 when the state of Israel was established. So, I, I mean, I get it. I know I've studied and broke down all the verses every Christian would respond with. It all comes down to this. When you go there and you actually see the truth, Jesus Christ would not be okay with what is happening, period. No, I completely agree with you. And there's a, there's a lot of things that, that Christians support in America that Jesus would not be okay with. A lot of things, you know, and if you just look at the definition of terrorism, if you read the definition of terrorism for what it is and compare it to what the United States government, how they how the United States government behaves and the Israeli government, governments across across the world behave, the governments themselves are terrorists. If you want to look at the exactly. yes. look at the definition of terrorism, look at what our military is doing in Syria right now in northeastern Syria. The United States has military bases. There's two or three of them, and I don't think it's just a coincidence. These bases are on the most productive oil fields in Syria. Yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence either. I've talked to several veterans on the show too, and they they will. A lot of them they they don't all come out and say it point blank, but they kind of hint, you know, hint to it that a lot of what they're doing over there, they're just kind of protecting oil. You know who uh, Smedley Butler is? The name sounds very familiar. I don't have a sharp, sharp memory, but the name sounds very familiar. Well, basically, and it's something that I talked with Joe Chadburn on the show about, is, and he, he recognized that they were protecting oil. You know, there's, and I don't, I don't think you're right. It's not a coincidence that we've got, we're set up in Syria protecting oil. I mean, that's, that's, 
it's all about money and power and greed. And it's just, it's terrorism. It's just terrorism. Yes. And I just, I shared an article. I didn't see it until, man, it was after midnight last night. And it just blows my mind. There was a, the whole thing with ISIS that was happening in Syria and Iraq. And I, I'll send you this link when we're done with the show. And it's not a major publication, but I've checked into a couple of sources today and it's legit. I mean, it's factual. There was a French concrete company supplying ISIS with concrete to build barriers and fortresses and all this. The United States government sued that French concrete company and they won the lawsuit millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the U.S. government has that money. Not the Syrians and Iraqs who had their lives completely destroyed by ISIS. We have that. How is that not terrorism? It, it just it, it's mind-boggling sometimes. It is mind-boggling, and it's it's uh, it's sad that that it's not recognized enough, and that's why I'm glad you're here today. Um, I want to ask you a question. Then we're going to get into the first article you sent me. But how, you, you mentioned that book, Blood Brothers. Is there anything else that kind of started getting you more interested in this? To kind of because it seems like you're very passionate about it. Something like you said, it's from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. This is stuff you're reading and and covering. Is there anything, because you've got Palestinian friends, and I'm sure you've made them along the way, that is, is it that? Is it, what else is there that has, has kind of driven you to be so passionate about this topic? Because we need more people being passionate about it, talking about it. Um, I, I can honestly say a lot of prayer and time alone with God in the Bible. And the, the more time I spent with it, Oh, man, there's so many things that just, it's, you're a Christian, you know, it's not coincidence, it's God. But uh, I I have no problem saying God has put this on my heart. I mean, I'm not a real popular journalist or anything like that. I'm just somebody trying to make a little bit of noise. Yeah. <laughs> that I, I want to... I want America to know the truth of what is happening. We need a uh, we need a lot of people make a lot of a lot of people making a little bit of noise because I think you get a lot of people making a little bit of noise and it's, we're going to make some movement. I think that's what a lot of people need to start doing. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, and you might disagree with this, but I I think we're we're obligated to pay attention what is happening in the birthplace of Christianity. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I I don't disagree with that at all. I think we should be paying attention to it. That's the problem is we're not paying attention to it. And so it goes largely unnoticed by the vast majority of people. And the only the only information they're getting is getting they're getting it from people that are known liars at this point. I mean, you know, the corporate media are liars and there's no reason to be trusting anything they're saying about what's going on in Israel or Palestine. Not, they shouldn't be believing any of this garbage. So you sent me a couple of pieces that you wrote, and we're going to start with the first article. It's called Where the End of the Earth Begins. And we'll just start at the beginning because I thought this was important how you start, or it's interesting how you started this 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 piece. You started off with Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be in my witnesses in J- Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you said this is a popular verse for Christian evangelists throughout the West to use because 
they, they seem to want to do all their their evangelizing or reaching people in other countries when it could very well just be your neighbor. And I think that's an important point that people miss too, which this is not me having anything against people that want to travel and go to mission fields. I I think that's beautiful, but we could also be in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in the grocery store, you know, or the gas station or just at the gym, wherever you're, wherever you're meeting people. I mean, you can do this anywhere. It doesn't have to be in, in Israel or it doesn't have to be in Syria. It doesn't have to be in Canada. It can be right there in your neighborhood, in your hometown, where you live. And I think that's an important point that a lot of Christians miss along the way when they want to try to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ provides as far as peace and and, and the safety that, that people are seeking through the government. We get that through Jesus. We get that through the peace of mind, knowing who our, who our King is, you know, and that's we get that. And we can tell people in, the, in our neighborhoods about now, you know, a lot of people know who Jesus is in America, but do they really know Jesus? Are we spending time in our neighborhood telling people about Jesus and what we discovered along the way? You know, because we, we can speak to each other. I learned things from all from Christians from all over the place. You know, we can speak things to people that they have not they've not heard before. And, you know, we can do that in our neighborhood. So I thought that was an important point. And I'm curious, why did you start the article that way? Because it leads into there's an important point that you made in this article that I, that I, that blew me away. And I want to get to that, how many checkpoints, the Israeli checkpoints, we'll get to that in a second. But why did you start with just that? Like we can evangelize in our own neighborhood. I'm real big on the fact that, um, which I am, I converted to the Catholic church a couple of years ago, back in 2018. I fell in love with Jesus through a non-denominational Protestant church. And it, as a Catholic writer, it still bothers a lot of Catholics. I'm, I'm still very involved with more than one non-denominational congregation. But I, I just started talking to people at church, and it blew my mind how many people at church on Sunday mornings had never heard about a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean, it, you know, it goes... We're Christians from 8 a.m. till noon on Sunday, and then it's back to the world Sunday afternoon through Saturday night. And, uh, you know, if we can't even step out and change, and I, I did notice when you were saying that about the gas stations and all that within our own neighborhoods and communities, one thing you didn't mention was home. And for me, as a father, that's where it all starts is right. I have to start with my daughter and then my neighbors and then the people on my block and then the people with the next block. And we get so many of these Americans who you know, they want to go on a mission trip to Jamaica <laughs> to tell people about Jesus. And then there go other places also. And it's like we look at a stamp and a passport as a reward. Like we've done more for Jesus than anybody else based on what our passport says. Right. (laughs) And we forget that it all starts right there with us where we are at our own home. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I didn't mention home because I don't, I don't have any children. I'm single. I have, I have a bunch of cats. And if I talk to them about Jesus, they have very little interest in what I'm talking about. So (laughs) starting at home is, you know, that's, I'm just trying to be funny. Yeah, we we've got two cats, and they they don't even rather I'm talking about Jesus or whatever. It's in one ear and out the other. <laughs> so, 
they they don't want to hear any of that. So they just want some food and water and somewhere to sleep. Yeah, but no, but you know, it, it's like, and I say this generally. I'm not talking about anybody specific or anything like that. But it's like, you know, Amer. In my opinion, from my experience, American Christianity just is so weak. And we think we need to go around the world to share this. And uh, we would just get real about what we believe. And like I said, like you said, talk to somebody at the gas station. You know, I don't know how many times I'll hand somebody asking for change a couple of dollars and say, hey, cool, let me talk to you for a couple of minutes. And you know what? They probably don't even pay attention, but they might. So why not try? Well, it's about planting a seed, just just planting a seed, and then that, and then later on that seed's going to grow. All right. So the, this point that you made in the article too that blew me away that I mentioned a while ago, and you mentioned a while ago that by today's maps Jesus would be a Palestinian. When you in the article you said not enough Christians in the U.S. realize that if Jesus were born today, he would have to cross fifteen Israeli checkpoints and a thirty foot wall to get to Jerusalem from Bethlehem. Yes. The Palestinian Christian population is disappearing at an alarming rate. Yes, you read that correctly. If Jesus were born today, he'd be a Palestinian, not an Israeli. Yeah. If you say that in your average American church today, they're not going to. They, it's that's going to be news to them. They didn't know that. I, I can almost guarantee you to a person, they're not going to know that. Yeah, you know, it, and it's like I was explaining to you before the show. I've got friends in Nablus, which is in the West Bank. Um, northwest of Jerusalem, less than two hours from Bethlehem, and Palestinians in Nablus legally cannot go to Bethlehem because of the Israeli occupation. So I, I've got like friends, and I'll tell them like where I want to go and what I want to do when I'm there, and they like they can't leave their city. It it. it I don't think Americans realize that word occupation, what it means. I mean, there's checkpoints and military officers and guns. I used to live in Brownsville, Texas. It's a lot like trying to cross from Mexico into the U.S. or vice versa. That's how it is trying to go from village to village throughout the West Bank. And yeah, they're between between Bethlehem and if you look at the map, Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they are not very far apart at all. I think it's less than an hour, and there's a 30-foot separation wall, the concrete wall we all see when we see bits and pieces video, and 15 checkpoints just between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And I don't think Christians realize that. Right. They don't realize that. And you saying that, and I wonder, actually, I don't have to wonder, I I think the vast majority of Christians would be okay with these checkpoints because of their understanding of how, what, like I said, you, and you corrected me when I called it a conflict, you said, no, it's an occupation. Well, I was in the same mindset that I've had forever about it, just calling it a conflict. You know, and the vast majority of your Christians in America are going to call it a conflict, but they're going to call it terrorism on the Palestinian side. And we'll get into that here in a second. I don't want to get too far ahead, but also, you mentioned this article. The name of this article is Where the End of the Earth Begins. And at the end of the show, I'll get you to plug, you know, all your stuff where people can go and find, you know, where, you, where you're writing at. But you said in this article, too, that 
Um, it says, according to the Palestinian authorities, census data, the Palestinian Palestinian Christian population dropped from 70,000 to 47,000 between 1922 and 2017. In Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, the Christian population dropped from 84% yes. in 1922 to just over 20% in 2007. And you said, and, it, and the way I'm reading this, you don't seem to think that that's a coincidence. You think it has a lot to do with the Israeli occupation. I'm going to start calling it occupation now because of, of you correcting me earlier. It's an occupation. So a lot of this is happening because... Christians are moving. Are they moving? Are the Palestinian Christians moving out of the area because of the occupation? Yes, because of stuff like, and I I don't say this because it's what I think. I because I've done countless interviews with people, like in Jerusalem, obviously a Christian holy city, just like Alquads. At what the Muslim population calls it, there the Israeli occupation forces are trying to Jew- make make it all Jewish there. That they, they want to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and all this. And it's so brutal that Christians are just, the Christians who can, they are leaving because it's, they can't get housing permits. The Israeli occupation makes it very, very difficult for anyone who's not an Israeli or a Jew to live there. And I'm telling you, like, and this is, I was talking to Lisa the other day. Well, all these American Christians don't realize there's a couple of far, far right ministers on Netanyahu's government coalition. They want to get rid of the Muslim Al-Aqsa Mosque and they want to rebuild a new temple, third temple there, the holy site, the Western Wall. Well, if you actually read your Bible, the, the Bible is against that. Christians are supposed to be 100% against a third temple being built. And that's exactly what the Israeli government's trying to do right now. They bring in all these, I don't want to say it wrong, you'll probably say it better than I will. You're from Narkshaw, but uh, they pay outrageous money for these red heifer cows from Texas fly them over there, they're doing all these Jewish sacrifices and all this and it just it, it gets so frustrating because if Christians knew the New Testament, they would see what Israel is doing is wrong. And like we mentioned Old Testament earlier how many different prophets throughout the Old Testament God was constantly sending prophets to rebuke Israel. So why couldn't it even point out what they're doing wrong now right well and i think this you you, you made a, you made another important point i'm gonna read a couple of spots here as well and then we'll end on the our article here because I, I think it's important to bring up to you said i don't want to give the wrong idea here i'm not saying that all israelis are evil i can't even count how many israeli friends i have who are against the occupation and siege of palestinian land the occupation forces don't represent these israelis and their belief and their beliefs my issues is with the Palestinian limitations and oppression created by the Israeli government. Sadly, I fear life for all Palestinians will get much worse with Netanyahu and his new coalition taking power. If there was ever a time for American Christians to get involved, it is right now. Yes, and, it, and a lot of the Christians right now in America are all about you know the the foreign aid yep. to Israel, and then they're, 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 they want the money sent over there, even though it, they're using this money just like the United States government does when they take the, they steal the money from us in taxes. 
They use it to kill people across the world indiscriminately. And it seems to me that that's the same thing that the Israeli government's doing right now. And Christian Americans need to understand this very quickly, too, that you're supporting this. You're, you're, you're supporting the slaughter of human beings. You're, you're supporting the slaughter of Christians. They may, they, they, they may be born, in, they may be Palestinian, but they're still Christians. They're your brothers and your sisters, and you're supporting the slaughter of your fellow brothers and sisters. And I don't think that's heard, uh, that's understood enough by Christians in America at all. No, the, the U.S., the American government, rather, it was Biden, Trump, Bush, whatever. I forget what year it was. There's a deal made. We give them, we give Israel $3.2 billion a year of American taxpayer money, and they are persecuting Palestinian Christians with that money. And not only is the U.S. government giving $3.2 billion, you look at all these different quote-unquote mega churches and all these Christian organizations and evangelists who give you know what? I don't want to exaggerate, so I'm not going to say billions, but I'm positive it's in the millions. They also give the Israeli government millions of dollars, and Palestinian Christians are the ones feeling the not just Christians though, because I want to touch on that real quick. I um, I have a lot of Muslim friends, and I'm okay with that. I, you know what? Scratch that word, friends. I've got a lot of Palestinian Muslims I consider family. And yes, there are some religious and theological major differences, but it's on me to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And you don't do that by building a 30-foot concrete wall and killing them if they cross it. You, you don't. That, that's nowhere in Scripture. <laughs> No, no, I, no, I agree with you. I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard this the other day. I was, I, I read something the other day. It was something that Donald Trump said, and then I just, and I was like, here we go. This, we're already starting this garbage with the, the next coming election and stuff. And and Donald Trump came out and said, if he's not reelected, if he's not elected, then Israel is in real trouble. And he starts stirring up this fear. In, in the, the minds and hearts of American Christians, if they don't get out to the polls and vote for Donald Trump, then Israel Israel's going to be in a lot of trouble. You know, but it, wait a second. If Donald Trump is reelected or any of these other warmongers are reelected, everybody across the world is in real trouble. They don't have a problem kill, slaughtering people. They don't. They've proven that time and time again. Yeah. And you know what? I um, It's frustrating because. Like I said, I just started following what was going on over there in May 2021. And this will be a turnoff to a lot of Americans, and I respect that. They have their right to vote however they want, just like I do. And the way I vote in the upcoming election will be completely different than I've ever voted for because I want to know how they're going to respond to what's happening. Because... Of like I just said, over three billion dollars of our tax money goes there. Yes, I voted for Donald Trump twice, not because I consider myself conservative or Republican, but just because of personal experiences. I will not vote for anyone who supports abortion. So nine times out of ten, that means I vote Republican. But Donald Trump has said and done a lot of things 
countless things that I disagree with. I, I always vote on my opinion on what will be best for American interest. But if anything, what this has shown me is how much America affects the rest of the world. I'm going to enlighten you. So I'm going to enlighten you something on, on Donald Trump when it comes to abortion. And he said this in during one of the debates with Biden. He said the abortion topic is not on the ballot. Donald Trump does not care about abortion. You know, and he can't call himself pro-life because it, it, he, he, he kept supporting the, the, the Saudis in their in their slaughter of Yemeni, you know, Yemeni children. I and mean, the guy's not pro-life. Yeah. I'm an anarchist. I quit voting back in 2016. I think the best route now is just to stop supporting anything the government's doing. And that includes not putting them in power. But that's where I've landed on the whole situation. I'm, they're not getting any more of my agency because I'm not going to be held accountable for what they're doing to other people in the in, in a, across the world, you know, but that's just where I'm at. Not everybody's there is, is in the same position I am when it comes to voting. I, I'm not. Yeah. I tell people now, I don't, you know, used to, I was like, I'm an anarchist. I don't vote because I'm an anarchist. No. Now I tell people I don't vote because I'm a Christian. You know, Jesus made it very clear that we're not to lord over one another. It will not be so among us. So that to me is very clear that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be doing that. And that's just where I'm at, but I'm not going to disparage anybody that still feels the need to go and vote. That's they'll have to figure that out on their own. You know what? A lot of American soldiers died for you to feel the way you do. You have that freedom to feel that. Well, and I have to say that too, because <laughs> I had to, I have to bring that up because my regular audience is going to hear you talking about voting. And they're going to be like, why didn't Craig say something about voting there? But you know, I could have left it alone, but I just want to th throw my two cents in there as well. I, I've told people more than once and, if they still feel the need to vote, I, I would recommend voting for a third party candidate somewhere. It's not going to make any difference anyway. Exactly. But I just, but at the same time, I still think that Christians should remove ourselves from that altogether. Anyway, let's move on to um, your second article that you sent me. It's called Janine of the Fourth, Patriotism and Terrorism. And I think this is where you might get a little fired up when we start talking about terrorism a little bit. Yeah, and that was just real quick. That was r real quick. That was a mistake on my editor's part. It's supposed to be Janine on the board. Okay. But it, it says what it says. So, because that happened on the four on our 4th of July. So, okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Well, why don't you, why don't you start here with this? Because I'm not familiar with Janine. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Janine and the, and the listeners about Janine? Because they might not be familiar with it either. What is Janine or where is Janine and, and how I think it's, it's is it a city or is it a camp? Janine is a city in northwest, uh, more towards northwest of the West Bank. But there's also a refugee camp that was built there. And I, I apologize. I don't remember all the exact dates and stats. I know they're in article, but uh, the refugee camp specifically and throughout the whole city. The U.S. and the West, it's it just been a quote-unquote terrorist hotspot since the Second Intifada, since the early 2000s. It just That's where all these Palestinian quote-unquote terrorists were coming from. The resistance fighters is what I call them, uh, the Palestinian patriots. And I explained a little bit of that further on in the article, but they, they have... There's been countless Palestinian resistance fighters come from that area. So it's it's been on America's terrorist watch list, UK, all the Western countries. 
it's you know what that even the Israeli government will say Janine is a thorn in our side, and that's quotation. So they just the, there's a lot of very the Janine brigades. They're a group of fighters. There's a couple other groups. They just do a lot with fighting the Israeli occupation, and it just so happens that many Americans and Westerners choose to look at it as terrorism. But that that's not what it is. It is Palestinians. Back in 1948, when the Nasba happened, when the State of Israel was established and Palestinians had to flee their villages and their towns, they ended up in all these United Nations refugees camps. There's one built there in Janine. So, of course... These children, you got all these generations growing up thinking, you know what, we're confined to this camp because our land was illegally occupied. So, yes, they are going to grow up. Let me ask you this. You're there in Arkansas. If that was done to you, I, I mean, how I grew up, it's an honor to die fighting for your country, regardless of religion. It doesn't. If you're in the U.S. Army or Navy or Air Force or Marines, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever. You're fighting for your country. You're a hero. You're a patriot. Well, that that's all they are doing. But because they're quote unquote Muslims, they're terrorists. Since nine eleven, they're terrorists. Are you uh, are you familiar with Ron Paul at all? Yes. All right. So he mentioned something in, on the debate stage. I think I don't remember which one it was running. It was 2008 or 2012, which which election year it was. But he mentioned he talked about blowback and he was describing what's happening. Why did ever why they will they call these people terrorists? They're actually just pissed off because yes, they're being attacked continuously by by the American government. This is called blowback. And it just like you said, well, I'm not in Arkansas. I live right out, outside of Memphis. But I can understand why if, if you had tanks being rolling down down your neighborhood and in, in the streets of your neighborhood or your grocery stores being occupied by uh, foreign uh, foreign soldiers, you might be a little upset. If you see them killing your family and friends, you might be a little pissed off about it. So you sure? I can, I can understand why they'd want to fight back. Yeah, and like I, I mentioned in the article, a lot of that three over $3 billion, we give them in tax money. If you live in Janine Refugee Camp, there is someone, rather it is through a camera, through an Israeli occupation soldier on a street corner, a camera, a drone. If you are outside, and a lot of times even when you are inside your home, you are constantly monitored. There is someone always watching you just in case you are a terrorist. I, I could not live like that. I, I couldn't, and I guarantee you, if my if my if my children and my grandchildren went through what Palestinian children do, you better believe I'd shoot a rocket. If that makes me less of a Christian, so be it. But I, I'm yeah. If what happens over there happened, to my daughter, yeah, I'd shoot back. Well, what they're what they're calling terrorism, or what's being called terrorism, to me now, in my new understanding now, is it looks like self defense to me. It doesn't look like terrorism to me. 
what I see as terrorism now is what the governments are doing to these to these other to these these for, for the most part uh, innocent people. That's terrorism to me. So what what they're what they're calling terrorism to me is just self defense. You know what? I'll bring this up and feel free to correct me if I'm gone, wrong because I've done a little bit of reading, but not a whole lot of research on the American Revolution. But um, Boston Tea Party. Do you think we peacefully boarded English ships and peacefully threw tea over the side and then peacefully went home? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no evidence of that. Stuff got burnt down. I mean, that city of Boston around the port burnt, got burnt. What is... And I get it. Somebody's going to respond, well, you know what? Our American freedom fighters, they didn't kill innocent civilians. Well, I, I bet they did. I bet I bet you there were some British people here that were killed that weren't soldiers. And also, there's this little thing on a map called the Atlantic Ocean. So it, it was difficult for us to kill British civilians. But because of how much I love being American and the freedom my daughter and I have, I want to think if that was the only way it would have happened. If that was the only way George Washington and the boys could have won our independence from England was for some British civilians to get killed. I like my freedom. Well, I'll tell you what, and this this gets me in trouble with a lot of people too now, is that the American Revolution, at, at the time before that happened, if you, if you look at the, the state of things now, we would probably be better off now than what if we just had a king than we, if we did what, what what America's turned into because it's turned into this giant monster that's again eventually going to fall. We don't, in my opinion, I don't think we're free in this country. I mean, if anybody's stealing money out of my paycheck, that sounds like slavery to me. If anybody's spying on me, that sounds like slavery to me. If anybody's if 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 they have the if they can kick my door in because I have a weapon, that sounds like slavery to me. So I don't. It doesn't sound free to me. But you mentioned something in this article too that it, you said. When did resistance? When resistance go from patriotism to terrorism? Right, and that's exactly what's happening. When that's what's happening when America is occupying countries across the world. They're resisting the occupation. That's what's happening in Palestine. They're resisting the occupation. They're being they're being patriots to their land. They're resisting the occupation, but all but they're being called terrorists because of this. Yes, you're a terrorist because you are willing to give the ultimate sacrifice your life for the freedom of the future of your people. So you mean to tell me back in 1775 and 1776, you don't think England and the rest of Europe considered us terrorists? Come on now. So we can do it. My big thing is America supports people fighting for their freedom as long as we get to tell them how to do it. Right. No, that's what you and that's how you ended this article, too. I was going to read this because it's a great point. He said, as Americans, who are we to say that Palestinian resistance fighters willing to give their lives to defend their camp from a full-fledged attack is wrong? It's as if American patriots are, are all for other people fighting for their freedom as long as we get to tell them what it means to resist. Yes. If it doesn't lead in, it's, it's, I mean, I could use this example on a lot of things that I see in church and that I see in, in, in America alone. 
It's, it doesn't, if it doesn't, just because it doesn't look like the way you want it to look, doesn't mean it's not right. You know, and then jumping back to the American Revolution, there's nothing that Jesus would have supported about that. That gets me in trouble with a lot of American Christians, too. That Jesus would not have supported the American Revolution. I've, I've mentioned this on the show before. I made a post. I got. I told you before we started recording, I work overnight. I got home from work in the morning. It's about 530 in the morning. I made a Facebook post about the revolution. I said, there's nothing about this that Jesus would have supported. I went to bed. I woke up. My Facebook was blowing up. <laughs> and somebody made a comment. And then she's like, Craig gets home from work, makes a post, blows up Facebook, goes to sleep. <laughs> That's basically what I did. But it got me in trouble with a lot of people because, but it's not wrong. But no, you, you, look, you look at the Jesus' disciples, the 12 apostles. They thought he was the Jewish people were waiting for Messiah to come rescue them from Roman occupation, and Jesus didn't didn't resist whatsoever. So maybe I just boxed myself in a horrible corner. No, 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 not at all. But, but that, no, that's not what I was trying to say. But it's just it's it's a point that I try to make when this topic comes up on the show. Because I understand it, trust me. I understand the, the want to defend yourself. I mean, I was born and raised in West Texas, man. I, I was raised in gun culture. Yeah, I was raised in all that. I get them all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all let God sort them out. That was the mantra of West Texas. Yes, yes. And it's the same mantra. Yep, I grew up with a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I understand this is not a, this is not a foreign topic to me. But the longer I've gone. Was with this project, the, the longer the project's gone, the more I've read about the early church and the more I've read about pacifism and stuff. My old way of thinking is not the way that, that it's not something Jesus would support, but I understand that way of thinking. I understand it. Yes, I understand want to defend your land and defend your family. I get it. And so it's, it's and no, you did not box yourself into a corner, but I, I try to make the point on the show because it's important too for me with the Bad Roman Project to get folks to understand too. Yes, I understand it. But would Jesus support it? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want you to feel like you box yourself in a corner and on the show. Not at all. All right. So um, let me write this down real quick. I want to be able to plug this stuff so people can go read your stuff. Um, but you've got a couple, the, the two articles you sent me, you, and you, you're writing for several different publications, right? Not just these two? Now, right now, it's just two. Well, three. Okay. Three. All right. So this first one was the Catholic Wordsmith. This is your Substack, right, at Jeffrey Stevens? Yes. That is a step, Substack page where I write about the Bible. Okay. This is, that's, that's where the where the end of the earth begins. That's where that article came from. Yes. And the uh, Janine on the 4th article came from the Arab American news that you wrote for that publication, right? Yes. And with them, I'm going to start covering less of Palestine because like I said, I just launched my own 501c3 nonprofit and we're public publication publishing the truth from Palestine, from West Bank and Gaza that Americans will not find in mainstream media. And so I, the, everything I'm doing in Palestine, that's the Substack page also, the Azarius the Project. But with the Arab American News, I cover Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. So I just, I'm real big on, I want to write about the Old Testament and current affairs from anywhere happening from the Old Testament land. I like it. That just 
that that's me. I mean, I love the Old Testament. So how do you spell Azarius Project? I mean, A-Z-A-R-I-S. A-Z-A-R-I-A-S. Azarius Project at Substack. And what that is, is um, it's a book, the book of Tobit, which is in the Catholic Bible. The Catholics should know what the name is. Azarius is actually the Archangel Raphael, who he says he travels back and forth a lot to Jerusalem. And I that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, is covering the West Bank. And Tobit just... You know what? Even if you're a Protestant, if you got a chance to get a Catholic Bible, I, I'm not trying to do any evangelization here. There's just a couple extra books in the Catholic Bible and Tobit. Tobit is my favorite book in the Bible. It just it's an incredible story. It's not very long. Check it out if you get a chance to. All right. Sounds great. So before I let you go, um, is there anything you'd like to add to what we talked about? And then I want you to come kind of plug everything you got going on so people can go check it out themselves. Man, I um if the last couple of years has taught me anything, it's that the world is bigger than the United States. And I wish more Americans realized that. Especially those who say they follow Jesus Christ. The United States is nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> this is true. I used to believe it was. I mean, I <laughs> I used to believe that, that the United States was set aside to protect Israel. That's how far down that path I had gone, you know, and then, and now I know how wrong I was. So go ahead and uh, and plug whatever you want to plug, and then I'll let you get out of here and get back to your family. Um, Again, the Azarius Project on Substack and the Catholic Wordsmith, the Arab American News, That that's what I'm doing now. That That's what I want to focus on. I, I love the Middle East just as much as I love America. I love it, man. So um, and like I said in the beginning, I don't want this to be a one and done thing. I want to, you know, we'll get you back on and you got some folks that want to talk about this. I want to keep this topic going. You mentioned that you, you cover Yemen. Yemen's been a, a soft spot for me for a while now. I've had Scott Horton on a couple of times to talk about Yemen and I, and I, I like talking about it. I like to be updated on what's going on there. If all that stuff, you know, see, I don't, I don't think there's any just quote unquote coincidence. Saudi led coalition created a, all the problems in Yemen, majority of the problems. And now you've got America pushing for Saudi and Israeli relations and Saudi Arabia is doing the same thing to Yemen that Israel is doing to Palestine. And it just, it's more Americans need to know what's going on in the Middle East. Right. And and Israel and the Saudis are all being backed by American the American government. American money, yep. Jeffrey, I really appreciate you coming on. And like I said, I don't want this to be a one and done. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep writing. You got some more stuff you want to talk about, send it my way. If you got some folks that want to come on the show and talk about this some more, I want to keep putting our eyes on this situation and keep talking about it, and, and more and more people will, will listen. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and I'm telling you what, you you were doing a church, the church a favor by what you're doing. So thank you, and thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate you saying that. It's very, very humbling, but 
we do what we can at the bad room and we do what we can and we just just keep talking like you said you're just making a little bit of noise and that's all we got to do we need a lot of people making a little bit of noise and we'll get some stuff worked out yes sir all right buddy i'll talk to you soon yep looking forward to it Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Thank you.